Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our discipleship pastor, Adam Scott. Hey, not only did she walk at graduation, uh, but she also stood on this stage last week leading worship, and that's exciting. You guys give it up for Jayla, for Amy Lee, and for all of those that are investing in the students in this community. Man, we are so grateful for everything that they're doing. Let me tell you something. I used to lead an FCA program at a middle school in another county before I came here. And I remember there was this middle school student who got up and and shared her testimony. And she talked about the stress in her life and the pressures and the anxiety. And and I had one teacher and she was well-intentioned. She didn't mean anything bad by this, but she leaned over to me and she laughed a little and she said, what kind of stress could a middle school student possibly have in their life? And oh man, that hit my heart because the answer is a lot. See, students of all ages are struggling with things. They're fighting battles that you and I will probably never understand. We may never actually see them for what they really are, which is why I am so grateful that we have Northridge Christians that are coaches, that are teachers, that are administrators at every school in this county and beyond because these people are our missionaries. They are the hands and feet of Jesus. And they're making a difference in this community. Listen, today I want to piggyback off of one of the lessons that they're teaching to the students because not only are they helping them gain an education, they're helping equip them with the resources they need so they can overcome the challenges in their life. And and I want us to talk about some of the ways that we can work to overcome the challenges in our life as well. I want to start by talking about some of the joys we have in our life, some of the things that bring us joy. Let's start with my list, okay? Here's the first thing that brings me joy. This is my family. Aren't they cute? You know, you don't know, but they were, Y'all are clappy this morning. I like that. They were fighting about 15 seconds before this picture was taken. But let me tell you, this brings me joy in a way nothing else can. Whether I'm playing video games with my youngest, going to museums and reading every single sign with my middle child, or watching my oldest serve all across this church in every environment that will have her, I love my family and they bring me great joy. Let me tell you something else that brings me joy. This is a close second to this one. It's Blackbird Coffee. And I love it because it gives me a chance to get away from my family for a few minutes that I love so much. And I don't know if it's the coffee or the environment, but something about that place just, man, it absolutely does wonders for my stress level. I absolutely love it. It brings me joy. Another thing that brings me joy is when my sports teams are doing really, really well, okay? Braves, the Bulldogs, yeah, lots of good stuff. Let me tell you something. Now, we started this series called Level Up, and when we started this series, the Braves had not won a World Series in 26 years, and the Bulldogs were still trailing the Alabama Crimson Tide. Okay, let me tell you something. I don't know that they're subscribed to our podcast, but evidence would say that they are hanging on every single word that we are saying, and we're excited about that. But you know what doesn't make this list? The list of things that bring me joy? Problems and challenges and difficulties. The kinds of things that Amy Lee was talking about and so much more. It's it's the stress of work or the stress of school. It's hardship at home that nobody sees and nobody would understand. It's the challenging relational dynamics in your life. It's the missed opportunities. It's the doubts, the fears, and the insecurities. 
You see, it's natural for these things to bring about discouragement. It's natural for us to avoid the things that we don't like, but the Bible actually challenges us to do something completely different with these things. This is what it says in James 1, 2. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You see, the author, who's James, he, he tells us right here, he says, not only should you lean in to the challenges in your life, man, but you should reach a point where you can add those things to the list of things that brings you joy. You see, maybe James is crazy. Maybe he doesn't understand the kind of challenges that we face today, or maybe, just maybe, he understands them better than we do. You see, maybe he sees past the hardship and the challenges and he knows that our greatest pathway for leveling up in the areas of life that matter most is directly through our greatest challenges. That's what we're gonna be talking about today. We're gonna wrap up this series today in a strong way by talking about how we do that. Let's talk about James for just a minute. James was the younger brother of Jesus, okay? There's gotta be at least a little bit of challenge involved in that, right? I mean, if, if you grew up with siblings, at some point in time, you were probably compared to your siblings in a negative way. What if your sibling was actually Jesus Christ? That's tough, right? Some of you are like, my parents just thought they were Jesus Christ. But that's the actual situation for James. There had to be a little bit of struggle there. But beyond that, James led the church for 30 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He spent 30 years leading the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Now, these Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, they were known as heretics because of their faith in Jesus. You see, they were, they were cast out of Jewish society. They were cast out of the temple. As a matter of fact, things actually got so bad for the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem that Paul would often travel around and, and he would interact with non-Jewish Christians and he would collect money from them so that he could take it back to these Jewish Christians because they were so impoverished for choosing to follow Jesus. You see, James is a person in crisis who's leading people in crisis. And it's within that context that he writes this. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. See, what he says here is, is not if you face trials, but when you face trials. Not a few trials. There's not just one or two that are coming for you. There are many trials that you're gonna face in this life. You see, James, his experience had taught him that, that challenges and difficulties, they were inevitable, and they were frequent. And he challenges believers, just like you and me, not to be discouraged by those things, but to shift our perspective about them. One of my favorite stories to describe what James is telling us to do right here is, is about a little boy who's in the backyard and he's got a, a baseball and he's got a bat in his hands and, and he looks at the baseball, he says, I am the greatest hitter in the world. He throws the ball up in the air and he swings, strike one. Picks up the ball, he's not discouraged, he's got two more strikes to go, so he looks at it, he says, I am the greatest hitter in the world. He throws it up and he swings and misses, that's strike two. With a little more determination in his voice, he, he picks up the ball, he says, I am the greatest hitter in the world. Throws the ball up and he swings and misses, strike three. He says, I am the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> he just shifted his perspective. I like that because that's exactly what James is encouraging us to do. 
He says, listen, when things don't go your way, just change your perspective. Don't get discouraged, don't get angry, don't get bitter. Instead, reframe that challenge as an opportunity for you to see God work. See, in the next few verses, James begins to explain to us what that looks like. This is what he says in James 1.3. He says, choose joy in the midst of trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. In other words, there is something that is developed in the midst of trials that cannot be developed in times of comfort and peace. You see, when we combine the weight of chaos with an unaltering, determined faith in Jesus, the result is perseverance. It is strength. The next verse goes a little bit farther. Verse four, he says this, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, he says trials lead to perseverance, but perseverance leads to maturity. Or some translations translate this perfection and completion. One of the leading theories about these terms is that they were borrowed from the Greek games. You see, in the Greek games, there were five events, and if you completed one of them as the victor, if you won one of those events, you were considered perfect. But if you won all five of them, you were considered complete. You see, what James is telling us is that that if we don't bail out in the middle of the process, if we allow perseverance to grow from one challenge to the next, then we will develop the ability to become champions over all things. Here's the summary of what James is saying. This is our sermon in a sentence. The challenges we face in life can either break us or make us whole. The challenges, the many challenges, the frequent challenges that come to us, they can either break us or they can make us whole. You see, the tension in our life is the place where God is working and how we choose to respond to those things determines the outcome that we're going to experience. Will we be broken or will we be made whole? Listen, I think I speak for all of us when I say we want to see something good come out of our something bad. We want to see joy and and progress as a result of the things that beat us up in this life. We we want our setbacks to become our successes, but how do we get there? So over the next few verses, James talks about a few things that, that apply to this, that allow us to reach a point where we can experience all that God has in store for us in the midst of our challenges. The first one is found in James 1.5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. You see, when we find ourselves in a season that's defined by hardship, when we reach a point where we don't have the strength to face the challenges in our life, when we're at a point where we say, I don't understand how in the world God could possibly use this mess in any way, our first course of action must be to petition God. Ask him to make sense of it all. Ask him to provide a pathway to victory. Ask him to show up in a big way. Listen, my son just finished his second season of soccer. He's five years old, which means I have spent a lot of time watching five-year-olds play soccer with their hands, okay? I bet you didn't know it was possible, but they do it every single game. 
turns out when you're five years old, the biggest challenge for a coach that's training their, their, their athletes to compete in soccer is to, to get them to ignore the reflex to use their hands when a ball comes at their face and to say, I'm gonna tackle this problem in a different way. It requires a lot of time, a lot of intentionality, and a lot of training to overcome that reflex and respond differently. In the same way, what James is telling us is that we've got to discipline ourselves to react intentionally under pressure. Not to cave in, not to do what comes natural. You see, what comes natural is, is discouragement. It's, it's that feeling of being overwhelmed. It's the anxiety that cripples us in the midst of hardship. It's natural to first look for a solution to our hardships and to our problems by, by picking up a book or, or downloading a podcast or spending time on Wikipedia articles. It's natural when we're facing hardship to look for something that will numb the pain, to turn to alcohol or pornography or shopping or mindlessly scrolling through social media or any number of other things. But this is what James says. He says, victory comes when we train ourselves to overcome that reflex and to first turn to God. Can I tell you something? The purpose of your trial, the purpose of your challenge may be that you learn that lesson, turning to God before turning to anything else. Author and theologian C.S. Lewis, he described it this way. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, the truth is we often forget how much we need God until we find ourselves in a season of hardship. But it's there that we learn to depend on the one who holds eternity in his hands. We find joy and challenges when we remember that even in this, whatever this is, our God is still in control and our God is still available. The next thing James introduces in this passage that can help us through the difficult seasons of life is found in verses nine through 10. He says this, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wild flower. Here's what James says. He says that poor people have problems, but so do the rich people. Athletic people, they have problems, but so do the band kids. Married people have problems, but guess what? So do single people. Older people have problems, but so do the younger people. If we waste our time comparing our tragedies and our circumstances to everybody else's, then we will miss out on the things that God wants to do inside of us. Second thing we need to do when we face hardship is this. We've got to eliminate comparisons. Eliminate comparisons. There's a Olympic athlete named Matt Emmons, who is one of the, the best rifle marksmen in the world. This guy was unbelievable. As a matter of fact, in 2004, when he was representing USA in the Olympics, he had scored so high that no matter what part of the target he hit on his last shot, he would be victorious. I mean, all he had to do was hit the white part on the target. He didn't have to get a bullseye. He didn't get close to a bullseye. He just had to touch the target, and then he could walk over to get his gold medal. So what he did was he steadied himself like this and he prepared for the shot and he, he pulled the trigger very carefully. And once again, it was a bullseye just like the others had been. But the crowd was silent. There was no cheering. There was no celebration. There was nothing good happening because it turns out he was aiming at someone else's target. This is called crossfire. And let me tell you something, it rarely ever happens in the Olympics. But on that day, he lost because he was aiming at the wrong target. 
Let me tell you something. Sometimes we spend way too much time looking at everybody else's target. We spend way too much time comparing our lives and and even our struggles to the ones that we see in others. We look at everybody else's highlight reel on social media, you know, the things that they want us to see, and we wonder why it is we have to struggle with the things that we are struggling with. Let me tell you something, we've got to reach a point where we understand that God is working in someone else's lives in ways that we may never see, but he's also working in our lives in ways that matter. If we shoot for their target, we're gonna mess out completely on what God wants to do inside of us. Everybody is facing challenges. Everybody is facing challenges. Man, when we keep our eyes on our own paper, when we focus on what God is doing through ours, that's when we level up and become the best version of ourselves. Listen, verse 12 James, he reintroduces this idea of perseverance. He brings it up again, but in a little bit of a different way. James 1.12, he says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. See, what this says is that perseverance is not only the result of hardship, it's also the attitude that will see us through. James doesn't say blessed is the one who is never tempted. Thank goodness. He doesn't say blessed is the one who finds temptation easy to overcome. Thank goodness. Instead, he says blessed is the one who endures. Blessed is the one who perseveres. Blessed is the one who keeps on fighting day in and day out through whatever it is that life throws at them. The third thing that James encourages us to do with our hardship is simply this. Don't quit. Don't quit. Psychologist Angela Duckworth, she's done a lot of research on this. She basically said, let me figure out what causes success. And so she interviewed thousands of people for her book. She interviewed people in the military and and she also interviewed people that that were winning the National Spelling Bee. She interviewed salespeople. She interviewed rookie teachers who were working in very difficult environments. And what she found was that the determining factor in success was not IQ, it was not race, it was not physical prowess. What she found is that the key to success was grit. She defined grit as passion and perseverance for very long-term goals. She says, what determines success in life is when people say, I'm willing to stick with this, not for weeks, not for months, but for years. People that recognize they are running a marathon in life, not a sprint, and they're willing to keep going no matter what. Listen, I love that she found that. I love that she presented those results, but they were presented as if they were groundbreaking when the truth of the matter is, we've known this for 2,000 years because James put it in our Bible. You see, he said this, he says, the key to success in the midst of challenges is a determined attitude that just won't quit. Maybe you're facing a, a class that's absolutely wearing you down. It's beating you up left and right, making you not even wanna show up for school again. I mean, the key is just don't quit. Maybe you're tired of praying for that person that needs to come to know Jesus. You've been praying for year after year after year and it's become a burden on your heart. The key, James says, is to not quit. Maybe it's an addiction that is challenging your resolve and it came back last week or yesterday and it's knocking you down. The key is don't quit. 
Maybe your life is so difficult right now that even getting out of bed in the morning is crippling and you can barely find the strength to do that. James says the key is this, don't quit. Maybe sin or tragedy claimed victory over you yesterday. The key, James says, is this, don't quit. You see, the things we face in life, those things can't break us if we just keep going, if we just keep fighting, and if we just keep turning to God as the source of our strength. Here's the fourth thing that James introduces in this passage that can determine the outcome of our challenges. Verse 17, he says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Listen, this verse feels like it's completely out of place. When I read this, I start to wonder, how can James go from talking about our pain and our hardship and our trials and then start talking about the good and perfect gifts? But I think what he's trying to say is this, that when we lean into God, when we trust him, when we turn it over to him, no tragedy is wasted. We may never choose to go through the things that life throws at us. We may never hand select the problems that we have to face in this life. But let me tell you something, when we trust God and he shows up, even our pain has a good and a perfect purpose. One final thing we can do when we face trials that are difficult in our lives is to simply choose gratitude. To choose gratitude for God's strength in the storm. To choose gratitude for all the ways that he will use even this to make us better. I like how Levi Lesko says this. He says, hard times are a passport that gives you permission to go to places you wouldn't get to go any other way. God is at work, and for that, we are grateful. Listen, I'm sure you've probably seen these before. We did some um, trick-or-treating in our neighborhood, and there was about 18,000 of these. They're still laying around in my, in my neighborhood if you want to come pick some of them up. But these, these things right here, they're nothing special, right? There's, there's nothing about these that's impressive. There's nothing about these things that would make kids go crazy and want to, to hold and have and experience them. But something happens when you break them. All of a sudden, they start to glow. They start to shine. They start to come alive. They start to do things they couldn't do otherwise. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. When you face hardship, when you face things that feel like they have the power to break you, I want you to recognize that sometimes it's in that brokenness that God will shine and do something amazing in your life. Listen, when we face hardships, and we're going to face hardships, whatever those hardships are, whatever it is that is weighing on your heart, weighing on your shoulders right now in this moment, whatever it is that you woke up this morning worried about, Whatever it is that you put down for just a few minutes to come to church, but you know you're gonna pick it up as soon as you leave this place. And I want you to stop looking at that as a burden. And I want you to start looking at that as an opportunity to see God do something amazing. He wants to make you shine. He wants to accomplish something. He wants that setback to become your success story. Man, we just gotta turn to him. We gotta trust him. We gotta pursue him and we gotta let him work and let him move. Listen, over the next few moments, we're gonna give you a chance to respond to that, to everything James just talked about in this passage. We wanna give you a chance to take communion. So we got communion set up on stations right here at the front. We got them in the middle, we got them in the back. And after I pray, you've got an opportunity to go back there and take communion that, that reminds us of what Jesus did for us on the cross. 
And what Jesus did for us on the cross was a demonstration of his strength and that he can overcome all things. The world intended for the cross to break Christianity, but it didn't happen. It caused salvation to come to all people. And we get to celebrate that as we take communion. We're gonna have a few moments of silence where you can do that. We're also gonna have a couple songs after that. I wanna challenge you to do something during that time. We'll have some people up here at the front that wanna pray with you, spend time with you, talking through the challenges that you're facing in life and, and just pray that you would see and experience God move in that situation. But we also have some of these things right up here at the front of the stage. I wanna encourage you, if you're going through something that's breaking you right now, if you're going through a challenging time, if you're going through some hardship, I want you to pick one of these up. You can kneel down at the altar if you want to. You can take it back to your seat. But I want you to think through that struggle that you have in your life and I want you to break it. I want you to remember that God is gonna use it to do something powerful. If you wanna keep this as a reminder all week long, put it somewhere prominent. Or I've got a basket at the foot of the cross. You can go drop it at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I trust you with this and I'm gonna let you handle it in my life. Whatever God places on your heart, I want you to respond over the next few moments. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are so many challenges that we face in life. God, I know personally, I'm so burdened by so many of the challenges that I get to see and experience in others. God, I'm so burdened a lot of times by the challenges I face in my own life, but I pray that we can shift our perspective. We can stop looking at these things as setbacks and things to avoid, but God, we can simply lean into them and then trust you with them so that you can accomplish something amazing. God, I pray that whatever the challenge is that's weighing on the hearts of the people that are sitting here right now, God, I pray that they feel your presence. I pray that they're not overwhelmed by that setback or that hurdle or their cha that challenge, but God, I pray they are overwhelmed by your presence in their life and the fact that you want to do something in them now. God, I pray that over the next few moments as we take communion, God, as we sing some songs, as we work through some of the things that are going on in our life, God, I just pray that you fill this place with your presence in a powerful way that's unmistakable. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at